Asanda Beta is leading the conversation all across South Africa right now. Now, now. Stay tuned to SAFM. It's sound awake. So we talk about wellness and motivational speaking now. Our guest, Taki Iswa Makashalala, motivational speaker and accredited life coach. Now, she is uh, those things as well as an agricultural consultant. She travels the world conducting corporate leadership coaching and occasionally provides lecturers to universities or lectures rather. She is firmly changing narratives about disabled communities as she was diagnosed with a scoliosis as a child and is now trailblazing in community leadership development through supporting vulnerable children and orphans on essential needs and personal development as well as hosting mentorship programs for teenagers and young adults. Thank you so good morning. How are you? Good morning, Asanda. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. We welcome you to SAFM. What a powerful name, first of all. Thank you so valued and you're making sure that other girls but like you see we're now you know, they also valued. Uh, let's talk about what you do then in terms of changing the narratives about disabled communities. What is KIFO or KIFO scoliosis? Am I saying it correctly? Yes, it's KIFO scoliosis, Asanda. What, what is it? KIFO scoliosis is a condition of the spine. So basically, uh, a person has an S or a C-shaped spine. And that changes the entire... Um, anatomy of the body. Um, it changes the way a person walks. Um, I limp, for example, I limp when I walk, and it's caused by that shape of the spine. Sometimes a person is born with kyphoscoliosis, and other people um, get it after they're born. So, for example, I started showing signs of kyphoscoliosis when I was around the age of three. Okay. Well, so, how does one develop it if they're not born with it? Are there causes? If they're not born with it, um, sometimes it's, it's, it's the way that the, the, the work that they do when it's developed at a much later, uh, at a later stage. So, for example, for me, I, I started showing signs when I was three, but I was born with it. It just hadn't shown yet. Okay, had it manifested yes. itself. Yes. So, so then yes. you being a life and leadership coach, where, the, where does that come from? Because you've got a BSc in crops and horticulture, um, but then you went into the leadership coaching and motivational speaking thing. Okay, so uh, I grew up being teased because of my disability. And uh, that made me want to stand up for myself and for others. Uh, I chose sciences because I was flourishing in sciences. I was quite smart growing up, so I went into sciences. But I was still that person who stood up for my rights, who wanted other people to know their rights, and I wanted to stand up for other people. So when I was in university, while studying my BSc, somebody assumed that I was a motivational speaker because of the way that I would conduct myself in class or after class or the way that I would just speak up for people. And so one decision also if a former colleague invited me to go speak at a high school where they were conducting a career guidance. And he said to me, I would like for you to come and do what you do. And I said, what do I do? And he said, well, motivational speaking. And I didn't miss the opportunity, so I said, yes, I'll come through. 
And I tell you, Asanda, that first time, those 20 minutes were the best 20 minutes of my life to mm. that point. And uh, after speaking the following morning, I thought to myself, that is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I just want to speak. So it, I completed my degree because I am one of those people who just want to get done with things. And I was enjoying what I was studying anyway. Mm. So throughout the course of my time at the University of Forte, I would continue being um, invited to places to speak. And even after I completed my degree, I would have people come and um, invite me to speak at the event. So how life coaching came about was that after having um, delivered a speech, a person would come to me and ask that I help them with a particular issue that I had highlighted during my speech. And so I started doing research around that, how I can help individuals. And I found um, this career called life coaching. And I did my certification uh, through NLP. Um, In 2018, I got accepted for the Mandela Washington Fellowship, Mm -hmm. which is a Young African Leaders Initiative uh, part. Where, where they take uh, young leaders from Africa between the ages of uh, 25 to 35 to the United States and they place them in different universities according to their uh, skills. So there is business, there is um, leadership, and civic leadership, and then there's the public management. So I got accepted for the civic leadership so while I was in Kansas State University, I got trained in leadership and I got uh, certified by the Kansas Leadership Center as a um, as a leadership um, instructor. So that's yeah. how I basically incorporated everything that I do. Okay. Uh, so as much yes. as you incorporate all you do, I mean, you also need to separate it because these are quite different things. And how do you do that, especially when it comes to the life and leadership coaching type of thing? Because leadership and, you know, talking about someone's life as an individual won't necessarily be the same thing, right? Yes, it's not the same. How how do you differentiate uh, between those uh, those different roles that you have to play and, and, and also help, helping someone to navigate their way through what they need to? So when a person approaches me and they ask for my services, I usually have a conversation with them to find out what exactly they need. It is then that I am able to see whether they are needing a leadership um, coaching or they need life coaching. However, Asanda, with individuals that I have had as clients, I have only done life coaching. It is only with corporate clients that I have done leadership coaching where I do uh, leadership coaching for the for a company or for a department of a company or part of the government uh, a government sector so with my with my clients who are individuals I have often done life coaching and that also then differs from motivational speaking because if you are just, you know, given a topic and a group of people that you know, you know exactly what you say. But when it's an individual, as you say, it, it go, it's going to be quite a unique journey there. And you have yes, to adjust uh, mentally. 
So what are the yes, lessons yes. then for yourself? Because I'm sure you learn as you go along uh, when it comes to the life coaching and I guess extracting some of the experiences for yourself to be the best version of you. Yes. So what I have learned from life coaching is that as a life coach, I am not on the dance floor. I am on the balcony. So I'm able to see the person's life and as they navigate through it. And I'm able to help them see another exit point or another entrance that they can have seen. Because when a situation is very close to you, you can't see everything that's happening. So for example, and also on the dance floor, there's, a, there's noise, there's, there's music. Yes, yes, there's a lot of noise. <laughs> on the balcony, it's a bit emotions. more quiet. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of emotions. So for example, when you put your hand too close to your eyes, you can't see your fingers, you can only see your palm. So what I have learned personally is to also, when I get to a point where things are very difficult for me, is for me to step aside and look at the situation as a whole. But uh, being a life coach has also helped me not uh, to be scared of seeking help. So when things sometimes become too difficult for me, oh, I want to make a decision, but I'm not sure. I am able to consult with somebody else and say, look, this is the entire picture. This is what is happening. I just cannot navigate myself through this. So uh, before I did life coaching, I used to think that, well, I, I have goals and I have plans and I even know how to execute all of them. So um, I'm going to do this. But now I'm not scared to ask for help because I know the and how much assistance can really help us as mm. people. You're studying as well towards a master's degree in agriculture, so you want to take it up a notch from the BSc. <laughs> and then yes. you also hold a diploma in biblical studies and ministry. So how important is spirituality in what you do? For me, it's very important because um, my grandmother usually says that I go so uh, people are God's people. We, we do not have people. And so when a person, for example, comes to me with an issue, God knows that issue much better than I do. God even knows how the issue can be handled or how this person can be assisted. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, sometimes a person comes to me and I look at it from a life coach uh, point of view that, okay, no, we can easily get out of this. But when I seek the spirituality side of it, when I seek God about this, you realize that maybe this person doesn't really just need um, somebody to help them take action, but this person needs to do soul searching. You know, so mm-hmm. it's not just a matter of uh, the physical that maybe they are lazy or maybe they cannot see their way out, but it's just that there are burdens that are too much for this person and they need to deal with it in, for example, in the form of prayer in order for, for their eyes to be opened. So it, it, it has, it's very, very important and it, it has helped me and my clients a lot. What has opened your eyes in your travels? Because you travel around the country as well as the, the world when it comes to your leadership coaching and your motivational yes. speaking. Yes. So um, I have I've learned to just be kind. My, my first time traveling out of the country, I was in the U.S. And everybody that we met while I was there, everybody that I met was so kind to me. And it made my stay so... Um, so much more beautiful and most of the time when I talk about my travels 
it's usually the warmth of the place that I talk about and not necessarily the monuments or the sites. And so traveling has made me kinder towards people, to everybody that I meet. And another thing that I have learned mm. is just to take it easy. You know, you don't have to take, you don't have to be difficult about a, a lot of things. You don't have to stress about a lot of things. Just sometimes it's just okay to say, no, it's okay. It is fine. You know, so for example, you are at, uh, you are at a, at a store and you're trying to reach for something and somebody reaches out for it first. It, it's, it's fine to just say, well, that person is probably in a rush. It's okay to just take a step back. And that's what I've learned from traveling, you know, to just be able to say, it's fine. It's okay. If a person is not kind to you in return, you just learn that maybe they're having a difficult day. It's okay. It is fine. Yeah. And then you're also uh, going, uh, holding a, a certificate in political economy and social democracy, and you're serving uh, as a board member of the Friedrich Ebert Stiftung Autumn School Alumni Network. So actually, we need to play that Destiny's Child song for you again. <laughs> that independent woman song we played earlier is was basically for you. We we're throwing forward to this chat. So, I mean, let's talk then uh, specifically about the mentorship around the teenagers and young adults. What are what are the you know things that are coming up in terms of what this group of people want to to tackle when it comes to their lives? Okay, so I've realized that um, these are, are very complex issues because you find out that it is not just something that you can talk to, for example, the Department of Education with, but uh, it needs a social development, um, it needs uh, communities. So you find that a child sometimes doesn't know what they want to do with their lives because they do not have support at home. Sometimes you find that they do not have support at school and maybe um, the teachers are not so kind towards them. Sometimes you realize that in the communities that they live in, there isn't um, any uh, push or any motivation to becoming something, you know, or to getting out of particular situations. So, um, and working with teenagers, I have learned to just before you show up, because this is what I used to do. I used to just show up and say, okay, guys, let's do a dream board. Let's do, um, for example, careers. What do you want to be when you grow up? But um, recently I've been working with the Department of Education for a pilot project that they're doing to have um, counselors in public schools, or they call them learner support agents in public schools, and I was one of them. But So I've learned through all of that to just sit down with the child first before you can tell them about becoming pilots or becoming doctors. Sit down and find out how they are. Mm. How are you? Who do you live with? Um, so what subjects do you like at school? What sports do you do at school? And so you get the entire picture of this person before you can just tell them that you can become anything you want. Because after I have left, Having left them with the words, you can become anything they want. They're going to go back home to a home um, full of people who are going to tell them that you're not going to amount to anything. They're going to go to a school where they will be made to feel like they, they won't amount to anything. And so I've learned to have conversations with, with young people. And so um, one of the mental program, uh, mentorship programs that I do now, I do not invite a whole lot of children. I just have 12 teenagers for example 
So in that way, I'm able to sit down with each and every one of them before we can get the roll, uh, the, the ball rolling. Let's talk uh, on the agriculture things now. And we said earlier that you are, you've got the BSc degree in crops and horticulture, but you're also studying towards a master's degree in, in that uh, field of yes, agriculture. agriculture so, yes. so what exactly are you planning to do with that? Where do you see that then uh, becoming or you becoming in this space? Okay, so after my degree, I worked, I worked for an NGO um, called Green Development Foundation. And during which uh, they gave me projects to run. And so as much as I wasn't so interested in practicing as an agriculturist, but having worked with that um, NGO made me realize that, in fact, I can infiltrate the agricultural space as an advocate. Because as an NGO, we worked with people who were vulnerable. So, for example, um, my children, hospices, old age homes, and homes um, with women who had just gotten out of abusive relationships. And I think from our talk, you've realized that I'm just a people's person. So uh, that NGO made me realize that agriculture isn't necessarily just about um, producing food, but it's also um, a, a place where you can assist people in, 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 you know, with food security, especially those who are sidelined and those who are disadvantaged. So uh, when I took up my master's, um, I decided to do a topic on women, you know, women's um, access to land. Mm. And so while doing my literature review, I realized that the I mean, we are in 2021, and our constitution clearly states that women and men have equal rights to land. However, this is not so in rural areas, and that's what I'm focusing on. Women in rural areas are still subjected to customary laws. And customary laws are are really good. They are. However, when it comes to certain issues, um, the legislature hasn't infiltrated that part to say that, no, we are all equal. Because um, in South Africa, customary laws have worked mainly for marriages. Mm. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to land issues, those issues have not really been sorted out yet in a lot of rural areas in South Africa. And so that is what I'm focusing on now. Um, trying to bridge uh, that land gap between men and women and trying to make sure that obviously I would I, I will have to work with the with the legislature and with the legal part of it um, whereas we, we we try to get women to access land even through the customary law because customary law really does work in South Africa but we just need to assist women so that's Mm -hmm. that's what my my master's focus is it's on women's access to land because accessing land means that they will be um, they will be independent when it comes to growing their own food you know and and having Yes, and I love it. And as you say, it's a, it's a very vast uh, sector, agriculture. I mean, there's science to it, there's research, there's data collection, yes, besides yes, food production, yes. there's policy, 
and you know markets international markets access to that and land as you say i love it yeah. and by the way yeah. on sound awake we have a feature on agriculture it's going to be well it was on safm planting the season we're bringing it back on thursday so tomorrow maybe you'll want to tune in for that thursdays awesome. and tuesdays awesome. okay awesome like we can be best friends now then <laughs> <laughs> okay so tell us how do people I get in touch with, how do people get in touch with you Okay, um, people can get in touch with me on my social media accounts, on Facebook. I am Kakiswa Exi, so it's Kakiswa space E-X-Y. On Twitter, it's the same, Kakiswa underscore Exi. Even on Instagram, it's Kakiswa underscore Exi. Uh, people can also email me on Kakiswa underscore Exi at gmail.com, and uh, we can just take it from there. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence this morning. All the best, eh? I'm sure we'll, we'll so talk much, some Asanda. more. It was lovely talking to you. A pleasure. Thank you. Motivational speaker and accredited life coach. So you can find her on those various social media platforms, as uh, she says. Part of our wellness and motivational speaking 